You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Hi. Uh, I have arrived to tell you what a terrible Beetlejuice ripoff we've just witnessed. I wouldn't even call it that. To say it's a ripoff of Beetlejuice makes it sound better than it actually is. <laughs> I think that's probably true. Uh, we just watched Monkey Bone, and I mean, just watched, I mean, I just watched it, and Pose watched it a week ago. Yes, uh, we had a, an issue with recording, and Ben got the sniffles, which you might be able to tell. He sounds a little more uh, robust uh, <laughs> today. Ooh, robust. So we had, to, we had to push back our recording, which... So let's see how much of this awful movie I can remember and how much my brain immediately tried to purge for its own sanity. Oh, don't worry. Uh, I come meticulously organized with notes and background, and most of that is in due to my wonderful wife, the researcher, the librarian, Sarah Brunkhorst. That's right, our guest for this episode. Hello. There she is. Soft-spoken, few words. Uh, she apparently did some killer research for this movie, which I am looking forward to because I have a lot of questions. Sarah has been on two episodes, uh, I believe, Batman Returns and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Is that correct? Yeah. Correct. <laughs> you can I, say more than one word. I feel it's like fine. I'm like Alex Trebek and I'm just asking you like very simple Yeah, your, your Jeopardy, your Jeopardy yeah. question? Yeah. Wait, who did uh, – did you do Catwoman with us? Should I no. form my responses no. in a question? No, please do not. That will really confuse listeners. All eight of them will be thoroughly upset. So you're saying no to that? Yeah, I'm saying no to that. What is... No, please don't. I'm I'm getting angry. (laughs) All right, well, let's talk about things that made me angry. Let's talk about some Monkey Bone. Uh, This is a movie I had never heard of. It was also a movie that I did not know was based on a comic book. I think and, a lot of listeners are probably having a similar reaction. Yes, I, when I told our friend Nate uh, the movie we were doing, I said, we're doing Monkey Bone. And he said, what does that have to do with comic books? And I said, I guess it was based on a comic book. And then he said, what movie is that? It's <laughs> 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 an odd, odd way to yeah. form two questions. First one should have been, what is that? Uh, so yeah, this is, I, I think uh, that's a, America's reaction to this movie. This is a Brendan Fraser movie, which... I happened to be talking to Ben when we were talking about this, and I read the most bizarre Amazon review, which said that uh, you, the only reason to buy this movie is for your Brendan Fraser collection. Yep. And if you can't get it, it's not a big deal because it's during his fat period. I so, which I thought was really weird. This. I was going to say, it was like, he doesn't look overweight at all. No. I mean, he looked in good shape still. Yeah, he, he, oh, Brendan Fraser is such a weird, like, a weird enigma to me because when. When the mummy movies were at their peak, I mean, he was everywhere. He, he, yeah, he was, he was kind of like a handsome figure. I mean, in Tarzan, he's like, yeah, great. he seemed like he could have been like a new Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones sort of guy. Yeah, and I mean, he, he just had, sort of disappeared. He had the comedy thing down. No, he made a bunch of pretty bad uh, uh, acting choices in terms of roles he took and like roles the mummy he passed three. up. Well, sure, the mummy three. Uh, I believe he passed up, uh, like, Journey to the Center of the Earth or whatever. He wasn't in that? Uh, Wait, why do you say it, too? Like, it's a bad thing. That well, movie's awful. That 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 movie did extremely well. Uh, maybe he? not that... No, wait, I'm thinking of a different one. He, he, he turned down some, like, hit franchise, and then another hit yeah. franchise, and then kind of went on to do almost nothing. Oh, uh, he turned down... 
He turned down something big to do furry vengeance. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's the movie where, like, the animals are trying to kill him, right? Yeah, where, like, all these animals are attacking him for no reason. That just sounds I think dumb. that might take place in Cincinnati, Ohio. It could be. Uh, and, and then, yeah, he did, a, he did, like, he did a bunch of bad stuff, and then he just sort of faded out. Uh, well, I think maybe perhaps the beginning of his end may have been this movie, because this movie yeah. is like a tragedy. I did kind of research what Brendan Fraser's downfall was just prior to this. What did it? What was there was tonight? a whole article someone had written. Um, <laughs> Somebody else had the same question. Was, was, it, was it Brendan Fraser? <laughs> I think so. What happened to I me? did see in some interview that he apparently has a penchant for red wine, so oh, maybe okay. that was That's a, a precursor fact. to his fat phase. Um, he got the gal. Yep. <laughs> but also, he got divorced in 2007 and purportedly has to, or had to, I don't know if he still has to since he doesn't make money anymore, had to pay his wife $900,000 a year in alimony. Yeah, I, oh, I saw oh, that recently yeah. on um, Today that. I Learned on Reddit. Somebody posted that, and the article was very recent that they that it was from. It was like from the last like year, and they said he pay he still has to pay it even though he does not work. Yeah, which is insane. I forgot about that. Uh, I'm also reminded of I would highly recommend looking up the Onion article. Uh, I think there's a video with it too called uh, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Brendan Fraser states, "I would like to apply for one Kickstarter, please." Um, it's it's pretty fantastic. Anyhow, to frame this episode for you, because uh, I think a lot of our listeners may or may not have actually watched the movie when they uh, tune in. Uh, I don't think everyone always does. You might be confused, so let me help you, guide you into this movie and this episode. Uh, Monkey Bone is based on a comic called Dark Town that came out in the uh, late 90s. It is pretty unknown. It's actually pretty aggressively hard to find, I discovered. <laughs> Uh, this is a real um, what was that other one we did where you tried to find it just forget it it's not worth it go ahead and keep talking <laughs> uh, I tried to read the comics at least the first issue or some of the origin comics of stuff that we do so we can have that background and I could the best I could do was a YouTube video of someone reviewing this book uh, and showing clips of it seriously I can't find any like even Google Images doesn't even show you a single frame from inside the comic it's very under, uh, always no. a good t- always uh, a good sign the Wikipedia entry for this comic book actually sounded pretty cool may I ask Ben is a monkey in the original at all no didn't no. think so what <laughs> there is the entire crux of the movie was just added I, I believe so. To my knowledge, he, he speaks to his like imagination, which he carries with him in a briefcase. Um, and his imagination has like a kind of an attitude, and it's sort of like it's sort of like his like it, it is the kind of sidekick that Monkey Bone, like like ten percent of Monkey Bone is in the movie. But it's just something that he speaks to from time to time. It doesn't bounce around. It doesn't make fart jokes. And you were you telling know, me it doesn't they try create to fuck his fiance. Yeah, they created a titular character that does not exist in the source material. That yeah. is Dark Town that is a new level bad adaption that I have never. It's like you know buying like Beauty and the Beast and then just being like, well, we're gonna call it uh, Jimmy, and it's all about this guy who cleans up the staples at the bee. I mean, like, what the fuck? Why would you buy a property and then just completely introduce brand new characters? It's and make them the center of the movie. Fucking insane. So just to sum it up really quickly, because people will probably be like, I swear to God, Monkey Bone is uh, its property and not a comic. 
it, in the comic Dark Town, he, uh, the, the main character does go into a coma. However, he enters this weird, creepy world where uh, these cre- these characters called the Lords of Darktown try to kill him so they can take control of his body and spread like horror throughout the living world, which is sort of there which in is, the which movie. Which is vaguely the plot to this. Vaguely movie. the plot of this movie. You know, it comes in like an hour hour oh. into all the bullshit, but you yes, know. it is shocking how far into this movie the plot comes in. Because I have a note that says, I feel like I missed 30 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Like, he's in the coma place, and all of a sudden they just start introducing characters. Like, I'm supposed to know who the fuck they are. Yeah. They introduce whoever the, the goat man is. Right. It's, there's, there's they more. just introduce him, and he's like, part, finally, but... he said he was going to meet me. And it's like, who? Who is he? You, I, I never saw you ask to meet somebody. Like, who is this character? Why do you want to talk to him? What is happening? So... Monkey Bone the movie came out in 2001. Uh, it was supposed to be an adaptation of this film, done by the guy who directed Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, later directed Coraline and James and the Giant Peach. So uh, some guy with some fucking chops uh, came in to do this movie, but was cut halfway through. Fox went nuts trying to slim a budget and 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 recut it with two different directors, including and- Sam Hamm, who directed Batman and Batman Returns. So there's a like wow. three different insane minds came together. But and, that does explain a lot because this yeah. movie does not feel like it is one movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's a bunch of little scenes that they stitch together into a much longer film with no connection, and that makes a lot of sense too because some of the stuff when he's in the coma world looks kind of cool, but right. there's just no connection to it to anything, so it just doesn't make any sense. Like. So, I can see where it's probably the influence of the dude who did Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Like, I could see that working, but when you pull him out and somebody else has to come in, they probably don't know what the fuck to do with all the stuff he made up. So really quick here, before we start uh, talking about the uh, the opening of this film, uh, the cast of this film is absolutely bonkers good. Uh, it is, it's insane. Not that they're used well. They aren't. But just quick rundown. Obviously, Brendan Fraser up top. His love interest... Bridget Fonda. Was this before or after Lake Placid? I don't know. Uh, you keep reading. I'll look up Lake Placid. Can you ask me that question before, during every movie we watch, by the yeah. way? Okay. <laughs> is this before or after? after? That becomes your <laughs> time frame. Where in the Lake Placid verse does this movie fall? <laughs> after, before Lake Placid 1 or before Lake Placid 2? Because, uh, as we Lake know, Placid. all movies are taking place in the Lake Placid universe, right? Do you think that of Bridget Fonda's character in Lake Placid would watch Monkey Bone? If it came out on VHS? No, she is a scientist in both movies. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? That is true, yes, but she's a sleep scientist in this one. Uh, Lake Placid was 1999. This was 2001. Okay. I used to wonder why Bridget Fonda quit acting, and this movie was like, no, never mind. I never get mind. it. Yeah. <laughs> I so would have quit, too. <laughs> so, so Bridget Fonda's character from Lake Placid, mm-hmm. uh, after nearly being killed by a crocodile, gave it up. Or an alligator? I don't know. I can't tell. Yeah, I was like, you know what um, I really like? Sleep. That's yeah, not dangerous. Yeah, you know what? Sleep can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. That'll be fine. I'll just marry Brendan Fraser and we'll be all set. Anyhow, continuing to run this down. This is fucking insane. The voice of Monkey Bone is John Turturro. Which is bonkers right there alone. Got, I, I kept trying to figure out who it was while I was watching it. We've got Chris Kattan. we got Dave Foley. Rose McGowan. Megan Mullally, uh, as, in, as in Ron Swanson's wife. <laughs> Uh, also from, like, everything. Sexy, uh, sexy librarian. Yeah. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, that one was what was crazy to me. And Whoopi Goldberg playing death. Like, all of that has got me sold, personally. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like uh, when I, when they showed the the cat girl, I was like, man, that that actress looks super familiar, and I couldn't figure out who it was. And that's when I went to the IMDb page because like, well, who is who is it? And then I saw John Turturro was the voice of Monkey Bone, which was shocking. And I saw it was Rose McGowan, and nice. I was like, holy smokes! Okay, like the so, amount of famous people is crazy, and like well, res- kind of you know respected comedians that appeared in this movie, just not given anything to do. We have to talk about this. I mean, we haven't even started like the plot of this movie in the. All right, this movie starts. Which plot? It, yeah. Right. Which plot? Yes. Well, of this movie four? starts with one of the most disturbing things I have ever seen in my life. This like short, the oh, monkey the bone short that the movie arms. starts. It's, this story, I, I'm hoping in your research, Sarah, that it proves that this came from like Ted Bundy's notebook. This is like the shit that like a serial killer tells a psychiatrist when they're trying to figure out what's wrong with them. It's basically him telling a story about how he sees a, his teacher had flabby arms, like erasing the chalkboard. He got an erection. Yeah, yeah. The opening story is an animated sequence in which a stew tells his therapist that he got hard watching his elderly teacher erase a chalkboard because of her flappy arms. And um, everyone saw it, and Monkey Bone is what he refers to his penis as, apparently. That was my first this, thing I wrote down, is the monkey the personification of his boner. Which it was before the boner happened. Later confirmed mm-hmm. when, yes. uh, when his, his girlfriend uh, refers to his dick as a monkey bone. Again, this movie has a giant talking monkey that at times is clearly doing comedy designed for children, but this is the opener. Yeah, this this opening is not only like gross and not funny at all, but then they cut and he, the guy's like, "That's our pilot episode." The fucking thing's thirty seconds long. Like, yeah. uh, how am I supposed to believe that Monkey Bone is this huge hit when it's like a minute long program? And they're like, they ordered six episodes. Who gives a shit? But then they they were like they got six episodes and they cut out and Brandon Fraser's there and he doesn't like the publicity this show's getting. But it, they make it – the way they're acting is as if this is like season eight of The Simpsons. Like everybody wants to do stupid bullshit marketing. It's just like crazy the way they're like pretending like Monkey Bone is this huge hit for some reason with, again, no lead-in. We don't know how he got a TV show. He just got one. Like I'm not sure it was Monkey Bone a comic strip. Yeah, they it, never it, explain why anybody knows what the fuck Monkey Bone is. It feels like Monkey Bone is like a uh, – uh, oh shit! What is that? Sunday what is that? comic or something like that? Well, it feels like it's in like an indie animated film that this guy wrote that maybe would play at a few like art houses, like Fritz the Cat, you know, like that really like super adult, like like kind of wacky like thing that like have like a minor camp audience, not something that would have like would be broadcasted like uh, on Comedy Central and make a lot of money. Like this doesn't yeah, seem this like is... what this is. The show he's selling seems like you would buy it in an underground porn shop, like in 8mm. Yeah. Or you go to buy, like, snuff films. They also are like, hey, you want the Monkey Bone series? Because it's fucked up, too. At my porn shop, I don't think this would sell. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Millions of comic book fans who were listening to this podcast, and by millions I mean four, just got excited to hear that Sarah goes to a porn shop. Or possibly owns one. Yeah, I think the implication there was that she owned one. But I'm going to move on from that because that's too interesting of a topic. Um, <laughs> so the, the core plot of this movie is introduced that uh, a character, Stu Miley, or S- Smiley, I guess is the uh, intent, right? That is oh, – one, yeah, I did not like I that. Because I think in, in one of his scenes, he's got like a 
like a name badge, like sewn on his shirt. He's wearing a jacket that has his name on it. And it has S. Miley on it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And here's something that annoys me. My what? brother has a really good that? friend. His name is Smiley. So it's a last name. Just make it his last name. Yeah, yeah, like Carl Smiley, isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, but it's introduced that he's a cartoonist, as we as we specified, that is somehow seeing mild success for this bizarre, gross cartoon. Um, and it, it, his partner, uh, Dave Foley, is intent on marketing it, and he's intent on keeping it pure to its farting monkey roots. I have no idea. Yeah, it um, is weird. He like, doesn't he want is to like, sell out, Ben. He doesn't, he doesn't want to sell out. But it's not like it's like high art. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's... You know it's not I mean? like he's really taking a stand. Yeah. Um, his girlfriend, and I don't get to this part till way later, which makes the whole thing extremely confusing, but his girlfriend, who is Bridget Fonda, mm-hmm. uh, is a sleep therapist who helped him with his nightmares. Uh, that seems like... like Malpractice? Important... What? Malpractice, that she's fucking one of her ex-patients. That, that seems is, that slightly definitely... weird to me, too. Definitely a breach of a lot of ethics. Uh, yeah, yeah, continue. Probably. I, I mean, I mean, our sleep I'm therapist. I'm pretty sure it's grounds for a therapist to lose their license. But I mean, like, are sleep therapists sleep therapists treated the same way as like regular therapists, or but is it the kind the of thing. way we treat dentists like when they say they're was doctors? She well, those are a the type sleep of people therapist? who can like. She was a doctor, but she was also a sleep therapist who are. But she also seemed like she was just a straight up therapist. Sleep drugs. When you yeah. combine sleep and doctor and fucking your patients, nothing good can come of that. Unless that's your study. Can I quote fucking you on that? Them sleep. Yeah. Quote, quote me on that. But they don't establish until, like, act two that, that A, she's a sleep, sleep therapist, and B, that she helped him work through the nightmares which fuel the cartoons that he creates. Like, that's important information that is buried way at the far end. Of and the... there is also a weird bit of information they, which is thrown out later. Did they bury the lead? The, there is no lead. <laughs> they didn't even bury it. They didn't even bother to re- make one. What, what's weird, though, is they uh, there's like a line they say where, oh, he draws with his non-dominant hand to do monkey bone. But that has nothing to do with anything. So I don't know why that line's in the movie. Like it's, this, Yeah, it's one of a few abandoned threads. Like at, towards the end and at other parts of the third act, they establish that Monkey Bone and Stu are like – well, Sarah was talking about like id and superego. But it is the sort of like two parts of a, of a brain, like two different kind of personalities that need to be together to create like a functioning person. the left person. brain and the right brain, your, your id and your superego yeah. and the ego who – tames the superego and the id and makes them work together. That's applied later on in the movie, but it, again, it's a thread that's absolutely abandoned. Like, at no point did they establish that something caused him to have sort of like a split personality. Which would have been more interesting. Of, yeah, all of that would have been more interesting. But at the very end, they like, like very literally mash the two of them together and say, now you're good. And then they just like close the movie out. <laughs> yeah, the movie ends so abruptly that you're just like, oh, yeah, all right, whatever, I don't care. So in like five minutes into this movie, by the way, origin story wise, you know, you know, as as this podcast name goes, uh, we always look at the origin story. Uh, the standard being a thirty minute origin story tends to work the best uh, for most films. Well, this movie does that job pretty aggressively. Uh, uh, except for I'm not sure if it ever explains the origin of anything because we don't know where Monkey Bone really comes from in a way. True. It's not referenced until it's almost the end dick. of the movie. It's his yeah, dick. but yeah, I mean, it's like there's no explanation as to why it's like a separate personality. Yeah. I don't know. It's just 
this movie, like, all right, it goes to this really dumb part. He's going to ask uh, Bridget Fonda to marry him. Uh, marry him. I don't remember what her name is. He calls her Doc, though. Oh, uh, Julie. He, Julie. Is that her name? Okay. The, he's going to ask her to marry him. They go and get into his car where they've loaded in all of this promotional gear for a show which has not yet aired either. Just think about that. Like, I mean, they're like, like I said, it's like promotional gear, like when the Simpsons were huge and you could see it like on everything, like toilet paper and all that crap. And there's like a blow up monkey bone that's which like I think 15 is the feet tall. Monkey bone from the very end of the movie, which why the fuck would you ever put that into a car? Yeah, I mean, and it's then crazy. put like a pull tab that blows it up. Yeah, which that is not really that's not a thing. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think they created, like, a life raft version where it'll self-inflate itself. Also expensive for, again, a property that was just that was just revealed to, like, eight people in a theater for six episodes. That and was somehow, a very expensive sample. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, like, final product. It causes them to drive out and get into a car accident in which Bridget Fonda suffers virtually no injuries whatsoever, and Brendan Fraser is put into a coma. Which, how the fuck did he get injured? His car is basically one giant airbag. Yes, and it, he backs into something. So it's very unlikely he would suffer any sort of trauma, really. I mean, maybe he would hit the steering wheel, but it didn't even look like he was going that fast. And, and I think at this point, we're introduced to the first huge, confusing uh, section of this movie. So this movie's biggest fucking flaw, besides the whole character of Monkey Bone is that it refuses to set simple rules. Like, you need to set rules in yeah. your fictional universe, no matter how wacky it is, so we can follow along. This movie has no coherent rules. So, Stu... But it, the worst part is, it has rules, but they will they refuse to tell you what they are. And then they just randomly say something, and you're like, oh, anybody can get into a person's body, I get? Like, there's just, like, no build-up. Like, at least in the comic, it sounded like, these guys know if they kill him, they can take over his body. That's a simple rule. I get that. This movie, you never get the idea that anybody else can enter somebody else's body until somebody does it. Yeah, Stu's, in, Stu's uh, uh, thrown into this, like, absurd dream world. And, 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 and they never quite nail down what it is. Because at times, they talk about it like it's this place where all coma patients go while, they, you know, while their bodies are inert and they're just sort of lost in, like, in, in, in limbo. So what is this? Is this his dream world? Is this purgatory? Is this I the Greek slash Roman underworld, which there are I think it's supposed to be that? like a real place. Like it's supposed to be like a hell or a limbo or a whatever that everyone goes to because that is the implication. But then that it's populated with all of his characters. Which yeah. is what makes it insane. Yeah, because as Stu walks around, he encounters... What are some actually pretty fucking amazing, like, Tim Burton-y, like, crazy characters. Now, they're all individually super cool to look at. I mean, there's, like, a fucking cockroach with a man's face. Eh, that one wasn't great. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a giant, like, walking, like, f like fucking face with huge arms and a tiny body that swings in between. Oh, I hate it. The Cyclops thing? The Cyclops yeah, the Cyclops. Guy. Gross. The weird, the weird, like, uh, modern art minotaur head. Yeah, that's a bartender. I mean, it's all... And then, like, where they hang out, this bar, is some sort of bar where they're all in bumper cars with IV bags strung up above their cars that have some sort of martini in it. I'm like, this is all, by description, super interesting. 
But A, they don't spend any time with it. They don't add any interesting elements to any of the characters. Well, the no. only element that we know is that these are characters that he has created because when he arrives on his little, like, uh, roller coaster car, he pulls out of his backpack, which is supposed to be, I guess, the briefcase from the original, right. his little notebook filled with all of his drawings and recognizes the characters. And is greeted by this weird raccoon roadkill creature he had drawn as a child slash adult, I'm not really quite sure. Yes. Who, I swear to God, has the same voice as the stupid shrunken head from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban movie. Yeah, that made, made you mad. Me so mad. I hate that movie. <laughs> I'm going to look right. deep into the shit and I'm going to find out that guy's name. Okay, well, you can learn more about Sarah's hate in her own Harry Potter podcast. I got nothing. Potting Potter? Yes. No? Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, the, the thing that was weird is, is he shows up, there's like a movie theater, it's like a small town, and like you said, it seems to be mostly populated by his version of weird creatures. And he goes to this bar where Monkey Bone is a performer, and not like a version of Monkey, like straight up the Monkey Bone character that he's created. And... I, I just couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on because there's no – like he gets there and they're just – he's like, oh, yeah, this is where coma patients go. And you're like, oh, I, OK. But then that's it. And then you just sit there and watch him. And you can't tell how long he's in there because at like one point he's like, I'm tired of watching Monkey Bone make fun of me all the time. But it seems like it's just the 10 minutes since he got there. Like it doesn't seem like any time has transpired. Yeah, and we're clarified in the because there's we're, we're, we keep cutting back and forth between Stu's like uh, girlfriend and and sister played by Megan Mullally. Um, Why? Uh, Why? Uh, Megan? Again, a waste of an incredible talent. Uh, we're, Big we're, fan of Will and Grace. Is that what you're trying to tell us? We're, yeah, we're introduced to those characters uh, waiting the three months, which is apparently how long doctors will let you be in a coma before they murder you. No, that's that's they say after three months, each day becomes less and less likely you will wake up is what he says. So up until three months, there's like a, you know, an X percentage that you'll wake up. But every day after that, that percentage quickly drops. So she says, all right, I'll give him the three months, the standard time most people wake up from a coma. And then I'm pulling the plug. Right. So there's it almost seems like you have this like long montage countdown. But this shit goes. Which I got to tell you, too. I mean, unless she has power of attorney, she can't do that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of legal things you have to get to say, I want you to kill another human being. But this gets eliminated in, like, uh, I'd say about 12 minutes of the film. Three months Oh, left. she also, like, this in is... no time. Well, also, this is, she they, apparently hates him. Like, there's no backstory there. She's, like, looking at her watch, like, just counting down until she can kill her brother. And what's insane is... She comes in, and she's just like, oh, we had to watch our mother suffer, and we promised that if we were ever in that situation, we wouldn't let it happen. So where's the plug? He has been unconscious for less than a day. Like, he's technically not in a coma yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, doctors would be like, he could just be unconscious. Like, you got to be unconscious for quite a while, you know, I think, before they're just like, yeah, straight up coma. I mean, like, for all she knows, she just walked in, and he's been given some painkillers. <laughs> like, she is game the second he loses conscious to be like, kill him. It was insane. She's like, I guess I'll give him three months. It's just like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, she clearly was... I guess maybe the whole family was sociopaths. Maybe that explains it. Uh, probably. So let's just... I mean, you get some weird stuff going on. They keep jumping back and forth between the two. 
uh, his death is coming up inside of this dream world he's in. He all of a sudden he sees death, which I don't even know how to describe their version of death. And they give somebody a gold card, which they can then use, and it means they get a wake-up. And so he realizes he needs one of these cards, and he goes to meet, what's the guy's name? The Somnus? Which, one, why is he a little, like, a like pan-type yeah. satyr thing? Hypnos. Oh, Hypnos, not Somnus. The god of sleep. Again, super confusing, because we are flip-flopping once again between, is this Stu's like like insane coma nightmare that's specific to him or is this an established place also is like being in a coma the same as being asleep because i don't he, think it is like i, think, he, I mean i don't yeah, think right. a really long nap i think it's like a medical condition versus if, if, being asleep if you're the god of sleep and you're taking over like the coma wing of things i think you're really overreaching your position yeah. <laughs> I think you're going outside your... people in comas, like, are actually, like, aware of their surroundings. Yeah. They're not, like, sleeping the entire time. We don't meet any other coma patients. There's just one old man... Well, there's a few of them in the very beginning when he first goes to the bar. I'm not saying they're... No, no, no. I'm not saying they're not present, but we don't meet, talk to, or discover anything about any of them. So this movie is not about this world, even though we spend way too much time in it. Um, the only the only character we're introduced to is that old guy who's just like is given a pass, mm-hmm. yeah, and he's, and he's ejected out. Which, by the way, I do love that in this weird world, you're ejected out via like a carnival ride into Abraham Lincoln's waiting mouth in the sky. Did, yeah, I did not get that at all. Emancipation Proclamation. I don't care. Is that what it was? I love that. Someone did call him the Great Emancipator, which I guess was like saying you're emancipated from coma wow that is that is a walk for that bit uh this is the point in the movie though where i wrote down i think i just missed 30 minutes of the movie and i started to wonder if something was wrong with the version i was watching because like all of a sudden he's given this card and he says whatever we said the guy's name was hypno or whatever we'll see you and he said finally my meeting but there's we don't know who this guy is he's talking about we don't know what the fuck the meeting is he wants him for and why he went – like there's no explanation as to what's going on. Yeah. And so I, I thought I, – I literally went and looked and I was like, did this thing skip ahead? Did I press the, like a button that made it jump forward? But no. They just introduce a character, uh, a, an event as if we've been waiting for it, and then he just goes there and you still have no clue what the fuck's going on. The first two-thirds to three-quarters of the movie is just like a mishmash of just like random bullshit. Yeah, it, it feels like they filmed a bunch of stuff, and when they fired the director, they were like, we're not going back to that world. We closed the set down. So yeah. if if we didn't film stuff, you're just going to have to make it. There's so much connective tissue in this movie that's just gone. There's just nothing. It's just all like the individual like joints that are supposed to be connected together, but there's just nothing connecting them. It's insane. Yeah, because I, you've got – so many like quadrants of this movie. A, he's got this relationship and this partner and this merchandising thing, and he's trying to be true to himself. B, he's in a coma world, I guess, where there's other coma patients that you don't meet, and some and sort he of needs hier- to wake up by three in three months. And there's some sort of hierarchical structure of like people in charge and like deaths there and like the sleep gods there. Then you roll into this other idea that there's this prison cell where they keep nightmare people, which includes Stephen King and Attila the Hun. Then you're ejected into this extra 
area where Chris he where like the Chris Kattan's character comes in and there's this like slapstick like switch body movie that we're taking place. It's all of this is happening in in ninety minutes. It's yes. It's with and with no like each one of those when you hear it you're like oh that's a movie Cause, like. So he goes to meet this guy, and the guy turns down his – he says, I can't get you out of here. You'd have to get a pass, and you'd have to get those from death. So Monkey Bone – and they have the, like you know the three months until he's about to be killed, and they go to get it. And I was just like, how can there be this much of the movie left? Like this is the end of the movie. They get the pass, and he makes it back home, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then it starts movie three, which is Monkey Bone gets the pass and takes over his body – because he made a deal with Sater dude that he's going to create nightmares because Brendan Fraser's girlfriend has created a juice oh, which yeah. induces nightmares. Which, why the fuck oh. didn't they just ask Brendan Fraser to do it? Because what the fuck does he care? I just want to go home to my body and be alive and be with my yeah. fiance and have a life again. I'll make people have nightmares. They're nightmares. No one dies from nightmares. It, yeah, it is. Like, it's so insane. And then you're just like, wait, what? And so there's like this whole secondary movie now happening that you had no idea was coming. So you get Brendan – like, at first you don't even know that's why Monkey Bone wants the body. You're just like, oh, he just doesn't want to be like the the, 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 the you know the imaginary friend. So you think that's going to be the plot. But then midway after he becomes Brendan Fraser, we find out that there's a whole other second plot, which is he's supposed to be creating nightmares, and Brendan Fraser's locked in. Please tell me that wasn't really Stephen King. No, it's not. Although Thank Stephen God. King was 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 tapped to play himself in that scene, and he was going to do it, and he was going to do it, but wasn't able to. So they just got a lookalike and called him Steve King. All right, so now we've got. The whatever, like the seventh well, movie. I don't even know which one we're on at this point, in which Monkey Bone is in Brendan Fraser's body. But to clarify what's going on here is um, part of Sarah's research. She found two articles, which well, two two perspectives, uh, which sort of uh, sum up some of the shit that went down here. One is a short post that Rose McGowan herself made recently on Instagram, of all places. Where Wait, she, what? <laughs> That's a weird place to write an essay. She shared a picture of her character, which we haven't talked about yet. The weird sort of it was hyper... was a great costume. The weird, awesome, hyper-sexualized cat girl that Throwback doesn't have... Thursday. That doesn't have any fucking, like, relevance. Um, but yeah, she posts, like, a... Like, a... Like, a, a Instagram post recalling that great costume and character that she, of the movie that she thought was going to be amazing. But she was pissed because of Henry Selleck being kicked out halfway through. Again, Henry Selleck being the man behind... In Never Before Christmas, etc., and then being replaced, and then Fox Studio messing with stuff. Uh, she even called out. This is weird. She said um, the weenies at Fox <laughs> changed the insult? changed the name to Downtown instead of Darktown because they were scared African Americans would be upset by a psychedelic underground acid trip of a world with a cat for a waitress named Darktown. Uh, that is well, that is a hypersensitivity. Native, Native Americans, African Americans, like, associate themselves with, like, oh my god, no. That's like an offensive term yeah, like for African Americans, so I yeah. would assume they wouldn't assume that. Plus, that's also assuming any self-respecting African American would have seen this movie. <laughs> but her point is that she's upset that there was this really, like, kind of, 
her intent in this post, which is much longer than what I read, uh, discusses how it was going to be like much darker and playing with like the you know the people's the inside of people's heads and that kind of stuff. Um, that is backed up by this is interesting. There's a there's a, there's a gentleman uh, whose name I do not have on hand, but he is uh, he is in a uh, he is one of the writers from Ain't It Cool, which is a, a site that's been around for quite some time. Oh wait, it's still a Oh, it's still around. Yeah, yeah, hmm. it's still pretty popular. Um, the, one of the one of the guys who writes for Ain't It Cool was in What's this guy's name. Uh, was in this movie again. I don't have it on hand. Harry, oh, okay. Harry something. I can't remember his last name. It's not Harry Knowles, is it? Yeah, Harry Knowles. There it is. He's the yeah. He's the guy who founded Ain't It Cool News. Really? Yeah. Oh shit, that's amazing. I didn't know. Um, yeah, he is in this movie. Pokes. It's probably been a while. You said you haven't watched it for a week. Uh, there's one scene that he appears in. There's two other scenes that were cut. Uh, he appears in the film when uh, when Brendan Fraser's character is in Chris Kattan's body. Uh-huh. If that makes any sense to you. I know it's a weird sentence. When he returns to his house uh, and his neighbors like watering plants. He's the guy. He's the guy in the window. Yes. Yeah. Out, out the window is he? He's watering plants with a hose from a two like a second story window. Yes, Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was a, a woman, so I'm going to apologize in case uh, Mr. Yeah. Knowles listens to this podcast. Well, I mean, you could just not have said that part just now, but whatever. I mean, debatable. Yeah, yeah. Harry Knowles is his name. Yeah, that is him. That is him. Well, wow. uh, he's uncredited. He refused credit on this movie. <laughs> I wonder why, said no one. Um, and he wrote a post that I highly recommend you read called uh, his Monkey Bone Review, and it opens with, I hate Monkey Bone. But... He rants in it about Henry Selleck's vision, and I, frankly, I think he was almost too gracious in what he thought this movie could be. Um, but he rants about the absurdity and the, the stupidity that was thrown in it, all the budget drafts, all the cutbacks, all the Fox News animation, like, notes that were thrown into this movie. And he just, he just, I mean, he shreds it for, for quite some time. <laughs> Which I could see, um, I could see this being a movie that might have been noted to death, like studio noted to death. Uh, you should if that if that's online, you should put a link up on our Facebook page so people I will. can check that out. I highly recommend I'd be it. To read it. In fact, the only person he says comes out of that movie with any kind of quality is uh, Chris Kattan, which I, I agree with. He did yeah, amazing. I was, I was job. impressed because because let's talk about that. The, the second part is this body switch comedy for the later half of the movie. Like monkey the bone last like twenty to thirty minutes. Brendan Fraser is doing some hammy monkey shit. That's oh yeah, God. and which Awful. I will point out, Sarah just mentioned it's maybe the last thirty minutes of the movie, but it feels like the last three and a half hours of the oh movie. Oh, it's it, it, once he comes back, the movie somehow gets slower and just boringer, which is insane because it wasn't very entertaining to begin with, but. It, we're treated to just some of the worst over-the-top acting by Brendan Fraser pretending to be a monkey in a man's body and doing not a good imitation of the way John Turturro was doing the voice. You know no. what I mean? Like he doesn't no. like have the same inflection. Like it's like he ever. It's almost like he never heard Monkey Bones lines being read by somebody else. I literally wrote in my notes. Brendan Fraser controlled by Monkey Bone makes me want to stab something. I put down Monkey Bone Brendan Fraser is actually the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so we're in the same boat, I think. It made me very upset, especially the like weird sex scene and like oh, in yeah. the 
when he's in the coma world, he cannot – he just wants to fuck that Catwoman so bad. Then he gets in the real world, and he watches Animal Planet porn. I could not figure out where they were going with this. Yeah, and he dreams about, like, grown – like, he, he dreams about human women, like, roaming around in, like, their underwear. I mean, yeah, it's bizarre. Bridget yeah. Fonda, what are you doing, Monkey Bone? Yeah, Bridget Fonda signed up for a sequence in which she she gets to she gets um, sexually uh, 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 danced upon by Brendan Fraser in a goatee pretending to be a monkey. Bridget, Bridget, it is upsettingly Bridget. long, like upsettingly long. It is a good. It's got to be one. I put down before their their sex scene starts. She opens her robe and just wraps it around him, and that's I guess supposed to be yeah. hot. I, that does not seem very sexually arousing it's to have proof. like a it's a, a covered up naked woman touching your t shirt. The, 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 the screenwriter of this movie has never been intimate with a woman before. No, and then she gets in bed, and they were like, "How many music cues can you put in three minutes of a movie?" And so I was like, "Maybe like two. And the guy was like, "I bet I can do more." They have so many. There's like three music uh, like songs they play during this aggressively creepy monkey dance he's doing. In which he's just swinging around. To, thankfully, he owns a canopy bed. I don't know how many people own those, but a canopy bed that can support the weight of one Brendan Fraser. So yes, pretty good. And as, as that reviewer pointed out during his, <laughs> yeah, you know, his, his fattening fat up days. But this movie is fucking saved by Chris Kattan because what happens is all this annoying. But by the way, when we're introduced in in in, uh, in downtown. Again, a terrible way to avoid a absolutely pointless just, alteration of the original. If title. you're gonna change, it, I don't know if it's on entirely. purpose or not, but downtown is often a, a euphemism for your ass. Just call that it is. Darktown, or just call it Limbo. It doesn't call fucking it matter. Just if you're gonna change the name, don't just change it to almost the same thing. Like the, downtown Darktown. Why not just call it Comaville or Shit Gets Weird Town? You know what I mean? Like, just change it entirely. What's the point? I mean, you created a whole new character the entire movie's about. Why are you sticking to this one thing to try to hold on to it? The second act, by the way, is a firm Beetlejuice ripoff. I mean, firm. I mean, because you get this, like, bureaucracy of, like, the mortality thing where, like, they go to visit Whoopi Goldberg, who's death, and it's exact. I mean, it is shot for fucking shot at times. What it's like when in Beetlejuice the two characters go to their deaf consultant, you know, and they, they talk with this person who tells them what it's like to be a ghost or whatever. Like, they're in the same kind of office, the same kind of, like, shots and, like, the cut with, like, the window and, like, the, the, the blinds. Everything feels so I wish I'd written Beetlejuice, which came out, like, 12 years before this movie. It, yeah, it seems like somebody thought they had a great idea, and they did not. Like, for some reason, yeah. Death's head explodes. Why? I don't know. No, pointless. That's just, just a bit. They saw Beetlejuice and forgot that they saw Beetlejuice. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they were on an acid trip. But Chris Kattan uh, shows up because Brendan Fraser is then sent back into the real world by Death. And yeah, then... he convinces Death to send him back because he just wants to make sure – he doesn't want to stay alive. He just wants to save his fiance, so she's not with Monkey Bone. So he is sent back into Chris Kattan, who is a gymnast who died tragically, and is at the moment he comes back to life having his organs pulled out by Bob Odenkirk, who says uh, – he pulls out an organ and throws it into a ice bucket and says, there's my yacht or something. And he said, now I'm going back in for my summer house. I saw like, some weird line. It's the and best then, part of this movie. Holy shit. And then shit. Chris Kattan wakes up. This guy has apparently broken his neck. And 
you have never seen an actor commit to a role so much and then in the movie around him just be like wow he must not have seen any dailies or been on set until it was and he must have thought the rest of the movie was firing on all cylinders because he commits to having a broken neck and having it flop around while he runs in like the i mean it's it's that is the best part of the movie is watching his physical comedy it's almost impossible the way he looks like his neck's broken for ever he's running with it He's yeah, like, and he's constantly like bobbing it, but it doesn't just look like he's moving his head. It looks like he's managed to somehow like unhook his neck. I mean, it's crazy. It's and masterful. He's put so much work into it, and the rest of the movie's so shitty. And he he does a bunch of like faux gymnastics, and at some point uh, when they're when they're in that dangling from the balloon scene, he's losing organs. Yeah, which he's is like fucking hilarious. And then the best part is. <laughs> So a guy gets up from the table while you're taking organs out of him. The reaction should be panic. But oh, but Bob Odekirk and his team get in the van and chase Chris Kattan for the entire third he act. He needs that summer house. Like it's yeah, a Looney Tunes cartoon. Those, which makes me think he's selling it's, them illegally on the black market. Dude, it is so, I was, that's the only part of the movie where I felt joy. I was laughing so... When Bob Odekirk is in a van and he's running across this... He's driving it through the garden of like the Smithsonian Museum and screaming at a floppy Chris Kattan, get back here... Those organs are mine. I'm a doctor. It's just yeah, his, his lines are, like, insane. And he, again, somebody else who is, like, committing. Yeah. I did not find the organ jokes uh, as funny as Ben did. I thought after, like, the first one, I was like, okay, you don't have to keep doing it. I got it. They, their or- his organs are going to fall down and constantly replace different items in this, you know, ironic park. But the whole Catan part, at one point he tapes his head up to a T-square so that his head will quit bouncing around. Yeah. And, I mean, he, like, the work he does where he's, like, spinning in a circle to make the tape go around his head, I was just like, man, this guy is nailing it, and I feel so bad for him. I miss Chris Catan, frankly. What happened to him? I, again, he was in, like, Think a him bunch and Bridget of... Fonda are just in hiding? <laughs> yeah, they're both trying to pretend that they were in monkey bones. <laughs> Now this Wasn't I so Roxbury before or after this. <laughs> well, let's take a take a look. Night at the Roxbury. It came out in 1998, so it is before both this and Lake Placid. Yeah, this is why him and Bridget Fonda are both not in anything at all any longer. <laughs> they squandered their success into this. Lake Placid and uh, the Rox- Night at the Roxbury. And so this is, um, so we've got, like, uh, Monkey Bone has taken the nightmare juice in this. I don't even want to talk about the scene with the monkey because it's just not worth it. But he's going to create, there's a doll that farts, and he's mixed in a chemical into it. So it's going to make everybody have nightmares, which I don't know if it just makes you have them. I guess it makes you have waking nightmares. It's a scarecrow plot from, like, Batman. Yeah, because basically uh, Dave Foley has a nightmare that his clothes are trying to kill him. So he just strips naked and runs around, which, again, doesn't seem like that bad. But so they uh, end up getting in a fight. That that scene, by the way, was revealed in some of the, the stuff that Sarah researched uh, he actually was naked, like full frontal naked, no dick sock, no nothing. He just like flopped, actor. flopped around. According to sources, Dave fully insisted upon being fully nude for those scenes, which I appreciate. Again, another actor committing hard to a role he I did not need like to work for. I that's just something Dave fully does. He yeah. seems like an odd guy. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Funny guy, but an odd guy. 
so the end of this movie basically just comes down to they're chasing each other and they're on a monkey bone balloon and a cop shoots the balloon and it falls down and they both die and they find themselves back in you know downtown uh i hate every time you say it I know. Well, every time I say it, I just want to go downtown. Things will be great. When, anyways, uh, they're back there, and Whoopi Goldberg comes out of the chair. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. There's like a big robot in the middle of downtown that's underground, and she comes up, and she's got Monkey Bone and Brendan Fraser in her hands, and you know she asks Brendan Fraser basically, you know, like, did you do it? And he said, Yeah, I told her I loved her, and she's safe. That's enough for me. And then she smashes the two of them together so that he has monkey bone back inside of him and then just brings him back to life. At which point, again, the doctors, the two bodies are being put into a ambulance and Bob Odenkirk comes up and says that that body's ours. And then Brendan Fraser's body gets up out of a body bag. So, again, though, he's on a lovely silk jacket and leather pants. And luckily, the EMT driver is shaving his head so that Brandon Fraser can get rid of his soul patch. And what's uh, up with that? I think they just wanted to make it him change his hair so we would Look, know it was a person. Guys, the age-old uh, paramedic shaving his head is just a trope that's old as time. Come on, <sighs> the old Chekhov's paramedic shaving his head. When I saw it, I said they're going to use that razor. They're going to. Oh, they use it two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, um, they used it literally in that shot. So, 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 Monkey Bone, obviously, we both defined it as a mess. Uh, let me ask both of you a couple of questions. A, we don't have to talk about how this compares to the comic. We already well know that this drifted wildly away from the com- comic, besides a couple of key plot points that they morphed into absurdity. So the basic questions are, A, d- this is supposed to be predominantly, I would say, a comedy. There's a ton of attempts at comedic beats whether they're successful or not, they're not. Um, how do those work for you? Horribly. This movie really felt the entire time like it was meant for like a family, like a family movie, or for children. It does have and that vibe. Yeah. Nothing about this, like maybe like the last like twenty minutes would be appropriate for like a family movie, but everything before that, like I would, like, I would not want like. A child like younger than like 15 to watch this probably yeah it's I like feel uncomfortable about that at times it feels like it's trying to be like a goofy family movie and other times it's trying to be like cool world which is like a much <laughs> a much more serious like adult like people and comics kind of movie yeah, an adult an adult roger rabbit an adult right. fucks a cartoon character right yeah, this is seduction between a human and a cartoon character. Um, it's not for kids. This seems like it's trying at times to do that, and then other times, yeah, it's completely a miss. Uh, Pokes, I assume you have a similar answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the comedy falls in, in like completely flat. It does not work on any level. It's not funny for the most part. There are tons of jokes which are clearly geared towards like young children. Where I guess people who think Family Guy is like the funniest thing on TV, like jokes that you're just like, I don't get it. Like, I, why is this in here and why is it lasting three minutes? So no, I to call this movie a comedy is an insult to even bad comedies. Maybe people who in, really enjoy Paul Blart Mall Cop would think this is funny. <laughs> I think that at least has jokes in it. They're not funny either, but at least they're jokes. 
I mean, like, I feel like the Stephen King review was supposed to be, like, a humorous joke. But since you have no idea what the fuck is happening at that point, you're just like, why is Stephen King in a jail cell in this coma world? And I was like, is this after you got in the car accident? Yeah, did they ever explain? Like, That's really poor taste. No, they never explained it. Why really? there was, like, a mixture of, like, serial killers and well, they, murderers. They, they, and... they explained well, they... it poorly, which is uh, demon people from this world – when those people were in comas at some point, I don't remember when Stephen King was in a coma, you know. Well, but when whatever. he got hit by that car. I think that was late. I think that was after this. Was it? <laughs> I hope so, because otherwise that's in really poor taste. Um, but probably why he refused, he didn't do it. He was, yeah, he was like, what the fuck, he man? He figured out what it. they wanted him to do, and was like, you know what? Let's not make fun of my horrible accident. Yeah, my almost my brush with mortality, but. The idea is that demons took over those people's bodies and then went back and like Steve. That's why Stephen King writes horror books. So I assumed it was supposed to be like it happened before he was Stephen King, like before he started writing horror books. And it was supposed to be like Lizzie Borden went back and killed her parents. Until the Hun went back and became one of the greatest conquerors. In history. I mean, it's just insane. Also, who has nightmares about Attila the Hun? I mean, it's just so bizarre. And why are they keeping them alive? Like Attila the Hun's been dead forever. Why does his spirit stay alive? He was... Stephen King's accident happened on June 19th, 1999. Not cool, guys. Did he imply that... I think there was an implication about Cujo in there, too? Yep. Yeah, the the original version of Cujo. Cujo is his monkey bone. Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so if it's not a comedy, then it, it must be a deep, introspective take on the uh, the layers of mortality and and our relationship with our inner self. Did that happen for you guys? No. It could not have been less about those things. <laughs> Despite the fact that those very much mean the plot of the movie. Well, then fine. Uh, then it must have been sort of just like an amusing romp through uh, a very creative individual's like artistic interpretation, like a Tim Burton-y kind of magical world that we experience. Is it? No. <laughs> If midway through Tim Burton decided to stop and nobody finished what he was working on, but then just filmed a movie there. Uh, then I guess it was just a chance for Chris Kattan to do some great body work. I, I feel like this is a movie that I hope was ruined by the director being fired or it was a movie made solely to be like, you have to be on some sort of narcotic. Not even drunk people would enjoy it. Like you have to be on like, you know, like opium or <laughs> like meth, something harsh. To make this movie enjoyable, because it was, it was like a real rough watch. Like I think this might be the movie I'd least likely watch again of the movies we've done. Upsettingly, I went into Reddit and like, like just searched "monkey bone" in all posts ever, and came up with a lot of people saying everyone says "monkey bone's" terrible. I have no idea why. I love "monkey bone." And And I feel like this is a time where you round those people up. Yeah. And there were just as many people, like, saying, like, what movie should I watch when I'm, like, high on mushrooms? And this was one of those, like, suggestions. Like, definitely watch Monkey Bone. It's bullshit, but it's great if you're on mushrooms. Yeah, I feel like that's the only way you can enjoy it is if you're already in your own version of downtown. Oh, don't say it. (laughs) I said it specifically like that and well enunciated just to annoy you. Uh, Yeah, so I think the, the main question now is, Ben... Would you yes. recommend this movie? Uh, I would recommend start the film around 
around the hour mark and watch like the last like 30 minutes. It literally doesn't matter that you missed the first half or more of the movie. Just watch the part that is just like Freaky Friday, but it's Chris Kattan and Brendan Fraser. Like that part, that part's all right. Sarah, would you recommend seeing even that part? I would recommend that part, and I would maybe even recommend someone possibly like skipping around here and there, but definitely, definitely do not watch the fucking cake scene. The scene where he comes back oh, to his body oh, that and was is not drinking cool. the champagne and eating the cake, like that I was, like almost vomited in my mouth. That was the wettest mouth sounds I have ever heard. Yeah, and, like they had to put a mic so close to it. Like there was a foley guy who was like, "You sure you want it this loud? Because this is not right." It was so gross that I actually at one point I was like. If this lasts another, like, ten seconds, I'm going to have to just skip this scene. There has to be, like, a German term for when there's, like, a film and someone's got, like, a little smudge on their cheek and throughout the rest of the scene, or, like, they've got, like, a little bit of, like, food or something on their face because it's part of, like, the scene. But even though it is, you stare at it and you're like, God, just wipe your fucking face! Like, you just, you just want it off their face, you know what I mean? Like, it just bugs you. Imagine that, except it's just someone's hands caked in cake and drinking champagne, and they just keep licking it. And it's horrifying. Oh, just, and it is like, him eating, it's just like... Oh, I, it's so uh, gross. It's Bridget Fonda, and he's just Brendan Fraser to go tea, licking cake off his stars. Also, a continuity note, at some point during the cake scene, he had the cake all up in his face, and he had that gross soul patch. And yeah. immediately after he's done eating the cake, the cake is magically gone from his, like, gross little, like, facial hair. Should have left the cake, guys. Should have left the cake. I will say this. That is true. Continuity. That's what ruined this whole movie was continuity. <laughs> uh, I would say don't, like, if you're going to, you want to sit down and watch this movie, rent it and then just watch another movie the guy actually directed all the way through. <laughs> it's, I, I don't even think... Even for, like, the, like, just see if you can find a YouTube clip of Chris Kattan's part in this where his head's flopping around, and that's all you need to see. Yeah, that's I it. just found this movie You're basically done. unwatchable. It was, it was a rough watch. For anyone who loves schadenfreude and just wants to, like, hurt themselves or hurt their friends by making them watch it with them, it is available on Netflix, which we didn't realize before Oh, it was? I paid to watch for this. money. God. I, so did we and i found out afterwards and i'm so mad that i spent like two or three dollars on this fucking piece of shit they must have literally added this like just a like recently because i looked for monkey bone unless i maybe i spelled it with a space and they didn't show it because i went and looked before i bought it i always go and look on netflix just in the hope i don't have to pay for these shit storms we watch sometimes i paid three dollars to see this i feel bad about myself uh, if you have Netflix, cancel your subscription and don't watch this movie. Uh, wow. You just you just delivered an anti-advertisement for Netflix. That's how bad this movie was. Yeah, well, they won't advertise with us. How so the fuck are we gonna get sponsored if you start trashing brands, Pogues? I have a I have a strong feeling we were not on Netflix watch list to be like maybe we could buy advertising with them. They've got a strong following in the three digits. Um. I think that's – did you have anything else you wanted to mention? I'm trying to look back through my notes. I thought the weird South Park joke at the end was odd. I think that covers it for me. Sarah? Uh, 
No, just never watch this movie. <laughs> I feel like we should all just pretend like it never happened. And I think everyone in life will be better for it. So there we go. That is our take on Monkey Bone, the Brendan Fraser classic. Which Masterpiece! Resulted in, which resulted in, like, three people never acting again. So One really think thing, about that. Before we go, I did remember just now I read an interview with him. Uh, I can't remember where the interview was or with who it was with, with Brendan Fraser. And he defended Monkey Bone. And it was just like a, a short paragraph, like a little like snippet of him talking. And he like talked about how it was like a great indie flick and like how like he really enjoyed doing it. And I just wanted to shoot myself reading it. FYI, we didn't cover it, but it had a $75 million budget and made seven. So... Wait, this movie cost $75 million? It, did you hear the cast? It's got fucking, like, Whoopi Goldberg and I shit know, but it. I mean, that's insane. That is yeah. a lot of money to spend on this. Yep. And this is, like, in and not joking, she was in, like, two more things, and then in a couple of TV shows, and she never acted again. Clay costs. Clay costs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> words to live by. Goddamn Clay costs. Uh, come back next week. We'll have a mini episode. If you have any comments about Monkey Bone, if you want to disagree with us, or if you took some acid and watched it, write in. Tell us what you saw. Uh, you can post your comments at facebook.com slash naospod. And then uh, also go there and look out. Ben will throw up that Ain't It Cool News review. I'm interested to read it, see what he has to say. Check it out. And uh, if you want to recommend a movie, you can do it there as well. You can follow me on Instagram at It's Pogues, or you can follow Ben on the Twitters at The Disco Pony. Sarah, do you have something you, you, you want people to follow? No, go to your public library. There you go. That's good That's good advice. Go to your public library and rent Monkey Bones. You don't have to pay for it. It's and, free and there. Also rent, like, Kiss of the Dragon, which is another Bridget Fonda movie, and just watch that. Uh, until next week... We'll see you then. There's somebody in this cast just named Burger God Representative. <laughs> <laughs>